0: Hey there, welcome back to the podcast Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your Master Certified Coach and Midlife Mentor, and once again, I am so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is another interview with an amazing woman in the middle, psychologist Sarah Dimmerman, who's with us today to talk about COVID-related family stress in midlife. Now, if there's one thing that's for sure about this pandemic, it is stressful. Oh my god, Of course, there are some positive things that are happening as a result of, you know, sort of hunkering down like we're having to do. But overall, I think you would agree there's a little bit of stress. So let me tell you a bit about my special guest today. Sarah Dimmerman is a psychologist, author and host of a weekly radio show that airs in the Toronto area, specifically on Saga 960 AM. Sarah provides counseling for individual adults, couples, and families, and has a special interest in parenting. She's also a married mom to two daughters in their 20s. The other thing about Sarah is that she has a background in radio and television. Psychology came more as a second career. Sarah has figured out how to combine her love of radio and interviewing people with her love of psychology. How great is that? I love it when a woman in the middle figures it all out, looking to all the places in her life where there's passion and figuring out how to combine everything to something new, fresh, and fulfilling. Now, Sara's brand name is Help Me Sara, and she's been helping people throughout her career. I'm so excited for her to share some insight with you today about COVID-related stress in your family. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you with us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. And I'm excited to be here. You know, it's funny when you meet people. uh, What I really love about the podcast life is that I always have my spidey sense out for meeting interesting people. (laughs) If I'm on vacation or I'm shopping, (laughs) especially when I'm interviewing artists. So we met online. You contacted me I think to be a speaker at an event. That's what it was. Exactly. At a a woman uh, over the age of 50 event. And, you know, my spidey sense was out and I'm like, oh my God, a psychologist just just contacted me. I know I need a psychologist on the (laughs) Women in the Middle podcast.
1: (laughs) So it was providential.
0: Perfect. So I was pretty excited to have you on because the COVID-related family stress is real. And so- I really want to talk to you about all of that. But before we start, I find people's career path really fascinating. And so I toyed with the idea of being a psychologist when I was in university and I kind of went the applied research route instead. What was your path like in your career? Did you always get attracted to psychology?
1: Well, it's interesting because my actually, when I actually moved from South Africa to Canada when I was 15. So, I was, in, uh, I was in my second year of high school, um, and because the system was different there, I went into my third year when I got here of high school, so I graduated a year early. And all through my childhood, I'd gone for speech and drama lessons, because that's one of the extracurriculars that most South African students go to. Um, and so, I always thought I wanted to do something in that area or do something with media, journalism. I love to write. My mom was an amazing writer and um, just always found that was an amazing way to express myself. So I toyed with the idea of either journalism or radio and television. And I ended up going and got my undergraduate degree. At the time, actually, I I went to Ryerson. At that time, it was a polytechnical institute, it wasn't a university. So I got a BAA or a Bachelor of Applied Arts. And I think now it would be grandfathered to be a BA now that it's a university. Nevertheless, Uh, That was in 1979. No, 1982. I graduated. Um, At the time, there was a recession. I got a few jobs in a in radio stations, but doing mostly grunt work. And I looked around and I thought, you know what? Intuitively, I'm just not. I don't think I'm cut out for this industry. I love what I always loved most was the interviewing people on radio. That was always my first passion. And I thought, I'm not sure if I'm going to get there. So. I'd always loved working with people. As I said, I loved the idea of interviewing people on radio and getting to know them. And, um, and I, looking back, my friends have always told, always told me, you know, even as a young girl, they would come to me with their problems. They were always like, help me, Sarah, you know, which is what I eventually became. My brand name is Help Me Sarah. Um, and so at about 1982, I started to think about what else I could do with my life. Um, and I started to think about psychology, um, and so I actually applied for my master's in counseling, psychology, assessment, and counseling. And through a very circuitous route, I ended up uh, getting my, my license to be a psychologist. So I say that I'm probably the only psychologist you'll ever meet with a background in radio and television. I don't know how I did it. I mean, there were only like 20 of us that were accepted into the class at the Institute of Child Study, which is where I studied. And um, I was just very blessed. And I've been very fortunate. I've always believed that you can make whatever you want to have happen in your life happen. And I've been fortunate enough to to have that be my path. And so now um, that I'm a registered psychologist, I've been practicing uh, for over 30 years, but not always as a psychologist. More recently, as a psychologist, got that designation. Um, but now, what I do is I've incorporated my love of radio and interviewing people with my love of psychology because I too have a podcast and a radio show where I get to interview interesting guests like yourself. I had so much <laughs> <Yeah>. fun <laughs> um, on my show. And, you know, I love, I mean, I love asking people questions and I get to ask in my practice, I get to ask people questions about everything that's going on in their life. There's no holds barred. So I try to be a little bit more careful when I'm interviewing guests for radio, but I find that I I don't want to have superficial discussions. I want to expose people to my listeners and and allow them to share what's really going on in their lives, like what's the real part of their lives. So
0: I love that, you know, because so many of the listeners to the Women in the Middle podcast and clients are so confused about what it is that they want, and we always talk about clues. And so you, mm-hmm. you had a clue, and really look at what happened. you came full circle, mm-hmm. back That's to right. your radio roots. That's annual. right.' And it is you, a perfect yeah, blend.
1: It is. I'm very I consider myself very blessed, but I don't think it happened by accident. I do believe that I worked hard to make it happen. And I'm one of the fortunate people who's still passionate about what I do, both in psychology and in media. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm living my best life, fortunately.
0: I love it. That's so exciting. So, what a perfect guest we have for you today. Um, So, getting back to this COVID-related family stress, I have a feeling you're probably pretty busy these days.
1: Extremely busy. Yeah. uh, My practice has actually never been busier, which is Ironic because when COVID first started, there were a lot of people who were very reluctant to go virtual. And there were less than a handful of clients that I saw actually in my back garden over the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the majority of people, even if they were not inclined to see me virtually originally, I just said to them, come on, you know, give it a, give it one try. And I find that like we all do when we're on a Zoom conversation or a virtual conversation, Like right now, you and I are looking at each other like eye to eye. My (laughs) clients are never going to get that close again. (laughs) You know, in real life, we're sitting six feet apart. So, um, so it's actually a very intimate relationship to do it via technology. And even those clients who don't want to come on video, I speak to them on the phone. And that too, I listen really hard when I'm just listening. Uh, I have to, I have to experience a lot more by just listening. And even those sessions, have been very good. So I've had many new clients during COVID and they've all stayed. So, um, and it's just, as I said, my practice has never been busier. My biggest concern is trying to find room for everybody and to develop a good referral network to be able to refer them to people who may be less busy.
0: That's amazing. You know, most of my uh, private coaching is also on the phone and I found like you that clients were a little surprised by that and a little skeptical. But it's incredibly personal and right. it allows, I don't know, you just don't need to worry about what you look like or if, if you're getting emotional or any of it. And I can just take notes and just get into my focus mode and not right. worry about the eye contact, you know?
1: You mean if you're doing, if you're doing phone, you mean? Exactly, I love right. it. Right, right. So for me, it's most, I would say 80% of my practice is, is video. So I do, oh. have to, I do have to at least change my top. You know, I could be wearing (laughs) track pants and slippers from the waist down, but I have to at least look a little bit presentable from the top up. But really, I found over the years, you know, when you first start out, of course, presentation is important and you want to be clean. But, you know, clients don't really care about what kind of what you're wearing. They just want to make sure that you have rapport and that you are A good person. That's the most important part, I think.
0: You don't care that I put on a pretty necklace for you today? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for showing
1: it. Yes, I do. I love it. Sorry, I forgot to put mine on.
0: (laughs) You know, because that's that's one thing I've missed a little bit, you know. Yeah. So, I'm making a conscious conscious effort now that I wear jewelry every day, even if it's only me that is looking at myself in Zoom or in a mirror, uh, and I point it out.
1: (laughs) it It changes how you feel about yourself, when you get up in the morning and you take care of yourself.
0: I have cool jewelry. Why not? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise it's just going to sit in the drawer. It's just going to sit there. Okay. So this COVID related stress is real and people are finding you because they need so much more help. And what's so weird about COVID? I mean, there's so many things that are weird about COVID, but it's, you know, we have to create space with other people to, to be safe, but with our family, we don't have space, <laughs> and there's more people than ever living at home and working from home and being at home, and the first thing that comes to mind is these adult children who are living at home and not happy about it. Well,
1: the rules are all different, and I was just thinking this morning that, you know, this has been going on for nine months. That's a long time. That's as long as it takes to grow a baby, <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um and uh, so I think what's different now than it was at the beginning is at the very beginning, I remember there was shock, there was panic, uh, there was a lot of fear, huge anxiety. Not to say that that doesn't exist now, but it's really changed. In fact, I would say that majority of clients I speak to now are more angry, feeling impatient, restless, isolated. I just want this, this, over, this COVID thing. So many people call it the COVID thing. Just to be over. And what I would say is that it's not that I'm seeing people specifically because of COVID concerns, but if somebody tends to be anxious, for example, or has like seasonal affective disorder, you know, and starts to get more depressed during shorter days, darker, you know, when nights start earlier, then everything becomes magnified during COVID. So I think it's just, you know, that's that's part of the problem. And then of course there are other issues that I'm dealing with with them especially, um, as you said, relationship issues where you might have, as you said, some older kids living at home with you. They're not happy about being at home all the time. Whereas I remember when, my, when it first started, my, my younger daughter, who's 21, came back from university early um, and ended up staying, of course, home for the remainder of the summer. And her boyfriend came back too. Uh, and even though he lives fairly close, you know, we had to figure out, were they going to visit back and forth and eventually he ended up coming and living with us. So that, and I remember that when I look back on those months, they were actually wonderful Um, as, as difficult as it was, it was, you know, everybody said, this is an opportunity to just spend time with your family. And it really was. I mean, if I think back to those days, we learned how to play rummy cube together. We made dinners for one another, and we kind of knew where everybody was all the time, you know, didn't have to worry about when my daughter was coming home at like one o'clock on a Sunday morning type of thing. Um, but now things are very different. We've become a little bit immune to it. Um, and uh, certain aged pe- people are wanting to take maybe greater risks. Um, so, for example, I know many of my friends and colleagues and, and clients are making sure that their children, for example, have COVID tests before they come home if they're away university or if they're living away from home and then they're coming to visit. Um, others are not. Others are, you know, taking what I call calculated risks, maybe determining, well, how many people is my, my child seeing? How often is she going out? How what kind of safety precautions is she taking? Some parents I know are not hugging their children. Other people are saying, you know what, I'm not going without hugging my child for a year um or whatever however long it takes so it's created a lot of division within families um between as you said like parents and older children who you know it's different with young children because you decide whether they're going back to school or not you decide whether you're going to have their friends in the house or not but once they are you know in their like 15 16 and especially after they go away to university for example they want to make their own decisions and so it becomes like how are we all going to navigate this together um and and so and and with couples, it's created huge division as well, like one partner may insist that the, the all the groceries and all the produce is washed before it goes in the fridge, whereas the other doesn't even remember to wash his or her hands when they come in from the grocery store, so a lot of nagging going on in a lot of households
0: you know it's funny you, you mention it because i'm I'm so sensitive to. I feel like it's an out-of-body experience when I watch myself basically undoing all of the good work I've done to back off and give my kids space to develop their own independence, right? Right. And now I'm like, I have to ask these questions. And there's not, it's just uncomfortable to have to ask so many questions when I haven't been asking these kinds of questions, just about You know, where you're going, and then you have to ask questions about the other people that you would have never normally asked, you know? Right. It's just uncomfortable. I don't want to get in the weeds like that in the details with my kids who are amazing and trustworthy and sensitive to this stuff, but I feel like I I have to.
1: Well, there's a whole psychology around it. Um, You know, even washing produce. Um, who knows? You know, some people will tell you that really it doesn't make a difference if it's in your fridge and you take it out a few days later and you give it a good wash. Then nobody, you're not going to be get sicker or quicker than the person who washes it, uh, you know, right away. But the whole psychology, there's a lot of rituals, and that's what happens when we have a lot of anxiety. So when we have anxiety, we perform rituals to um, reduce our anxiety. Unfortunately, it's only temporary. So, for example. I think that when we ask our kids a lot of questions, especially as you said, when they're older and they're more independent, that is our way of reducing anxiety. We want to hear that we can take, a, like, let go of our breath. Um, so they may even tell us things, you know, that they know we want to hear. So my younger, my older, my younger daughter, who is, as I said, away at university, um, and has just come back for a month now, uh, you know, has been seeing people around her campus and every time i ask so as you said like so who were you with and what were you doing kind of thing and sometimes it's just because i'm curious and asking like i normally would but sometimes it's there's a motive behind it she'll say to me oh these are the people that i hang out with all the time they're part of my bubble right <laughs> and 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 really that's become the kind of the the answer that a lot of older kids will give their parents they're part of my bubble and then it's up to the parent to decide you know do i want my child to then as i said have a covid test before they come home. And of course, we've been asked that people not go for COVID tests unless they truly have been exposed. But my belief is, based on what I hear from my clients, that there are many, many people who are going to COVID centers or booking appointments saying, I've been exposed to somebody and who can no one's going to take the time to, they don't have the time to check that out. So people are still going for COVID tests as prevention. And as I said, we're asking those questions as a way of trying to relax. And so after a while I said, I keep using the word calculated risk. You have to ask yourself, as you said, your kids are mostly intelligent, you know, logical, they care about family, they they want to make sure that you're safe. So really are they going to intentionally put themselves at risk? Do they they watch the news? They see social media even more than we do, or maybe just as much, mm-hmm. and they know what's going on. Um, but it's been it's been very tough on certain age groups. I think you know, if you're our age and you're happily married or you're with a partner and you still have somebody to snuggle up with at night and watch your favorite Netflix show, then you're not going to tolerate this as badly. But if you're a single person, Either wanting to hang out with friends or if you're a single person trying to date, that's been very difficult too. Yes. How do you advance relationships uh, when you don't know really at the beginning whether the person is seeing anybody else? How do you become intimate with that person without? It used to be that you asked your partner, your prospective partner, to go and get an STD test, right? A sexually <laughs> transmitted disease test. Now you're asking them to go and have a COVID test. So, everybody is monitoring one another. Everybody is supervising each other.
0: Everybody is judging one another. That's it. It's the monitoring. Like, I never behaved like this before. Like, once they went to school, I tried to get into a a groove of, let's just connect once a week or two. Right. Know? And right. and I was very satisfied with that.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know what? I think if if you're asking me for advice on that, I would say... I really am a proponent of family meetings no matter how old our children are and that doesn't have to be a formal family meeting but it could be around the dinner table one evening. When you say that to your kids, you say, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but you know, I purposefully pulled back when you went away and I wanted you to be independent and and you know, take care of yourself, but because my anxiety is a little bit higher, I know that I've been monitoring you more. Have you noticed that? Are you okay with that? You know, maybe we can come to an arrangement whereby if you're going to be doing anything than what you normally do, you let me you let us know. So sometimes you can kind of set some so called ground rules, but not in the same way as you would set rules when your kids are young, but you set ground rules for the entire family, that's yourselves included. And because I think that as our kids get older, we operate or we should be operating more as housemates rather than parent and
0: child. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I have one son who's away at university and he is so excited because he taught his whole house, the five of them. He taught the other four how to play pickleball oh, and cool. it gave them all something fun to do. And there was an outdoor court yeah. and then he discovered that there's a safe court at the university that has glass walls. Wow. And so they have a ready-made little bubble of pickleball players. It's not an expensive uh, sport. To yeah. get going. And he's he's so excited about that. But the topic came up with him around Thanksgiving because yeah. some of the kids went home and yeah. some didn't. Like he did not come home, but some kids did go home. And then I had to, I felt like I needed to ask some questions about the kids that went home and who was at their house. Like, did other people travel to be there? That's what I mean about monitoring. Where
1: yeah, you know, I, I just actually in my last radio show. I did a whole blurb about uh, how how roommates are dealing with one another, roommates, housemates, with kind of a focus on university students because I have at least a handful of university students in my practice right now where these these complications have arisen. So in some cases, uh, in two of the cases, in fact, out of the five, the um, the the university student who's in their second year, both of them went back home to stay at home because they felt that they that that their uh, vision of how things should be w- and their lifestyle was very different to their roommates, so they w- were not forced, but they made the decision to go back home, which meant that because it's difficult to sublet now during COVID, they're still on the hook to pay their rent until end of April. Um, others, you know, have been asked by their roommates to please not leave. So some I know are not going home for Thanksgiving or didn't go home for Thanksgiving. Some are not going home to celebrate holidays this month. Um, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever holiday they may celebrate with their families, because their roommates have asked them not to. And other times, some people will say, "You know, forget this. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go home. I, I can't not be with my family. I've been looking forward to it. I look forward to the rituals. I need that. I need somebody to take care of me for a little bit." Um, and that has created a lot of rift. Some, a lot of roommates are not talking to one another. And then, as you said, the the parents are upset too. The parents are concerned and monitoring as you are, and you're asking questions. But unfortunately, what happens then is that then your child is in the position of having to, you know, interrogate his his roommates too. And that becomes awkward as well. So it's a whole domino effect. So again, Mm -hmm. I go back to that calculated risk. You know, if your if your son has been mostly isolating um, and he's, you know, in this bubble with his friends playing pickleball, maybe that's the extent of his social activities, and then he comes home and he goes back, then, you know, obviously you would wait a while before you see him again. Of course, you don't want him to be exposed. But, you know, I think that we need to be careful. We need to protect ourselves and others but we also need to be mindful of the impact that a lot of this is having on our mental health. And as I said, weigh up the, the, the pros and cons and just pray a lot. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> if you believe in prayer, but, uh, or just, you know, as I said, just be, be careful, but not, but to try not to be um, catastrophic about it and how to catastrophize. And I think if I can mention too, that especially if people have younger children that may be more influenced. and Even older children, I think a lot of children look to parents for how they're managing COVID. And If you're saying things like, oh my goodness, I don't know when this will ever end, what's going to become of us, we'll never go back to normal, I don't know when we'll go on vacation again together, and almost catastrophizing it, our children hear that and they become more anxious. Whereas if we say things like, you know, this is short-term pain for long-term gain. We're all working together to try to reduce this. There's a vaccine on the way. Um, you know, we've survived nine months already. We've done really well. We've There's lots of positives that have come out of this. We've learned lots of new things. Isn't it amazing that anybody could produce a vaccine in such a short period of time? Um, I think you don't want to be um, all like, uh, you don't want to pretend that it's all, you know, a bed of roses because it's not, but you also want to be able to present a more positive reframe of what's going on so that our kids have
0: hope. Definitely. You know, one of the COVID gifts you touched on earlier, but all five of us were home together for a couple of months, which was weird. Like, unfortunately, my husband was out of work. He was home. The uh, one, of, one of my kids lost his internship, like his placement, his co op placement. Right. He was home. And then the other two were home because yes. they're in grad school. They're working from home. And I mean, when is that ever going to happen again? Probably never. Exactly. exactly. You know, and, and there were some bumps, but there were some really beautiful moments, too. And yeah, in, in terms of games and baking bread and eating together and a lot of laughs and all that stuff, walking the dog was way more fun. The kids yeah. are fun. The kids
1: yeah. are so much fun. I know. I know. I, you know, I, I do feel. Um, I, I do feel that for parents of younger children, parents who have, I have some clients who have newborns, you know, and, and they're even worried about the socialization of those newborns, you know, COVID babies, they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they're feeling very isolated. I remember when my kids were both young, as, as, you, as you probably did too, there was, it was wonderful to go to moms and tots programs and be with other moms and share stories and, you know, share, like get uh, ideas from one another. That's all gone. And then for parents who have had to navigate the whole summer with very young children, keep them busy in different circumstances, no summer camp. Ugh, and, I can't. I, I can't I, even I know. Imagine I that. I know. And and then, you know, and then having them maybe at home doing on school learning uh, and trying to juggle their work potentially at the same time. I think that the biggest stressor that I've seen has been on parents with younger children, if you're talking about families. And then there are the people that are single living alone. And that is like the 20 somethings or the 30 somethings. And then also, I have a number of clients that are much older. So in their late 70s, 80s, who are living like in long term care facilities. Mm -hmm. And part of why they moved in was for the social aspect of that being together during mealtimes or sitting outside and talking to somebody, um, having conversations in a living room, things that they weren't getting maybe living alone. And now here they are. Not able to do any of that, and I think my heart really goes out to them because when I'm counseling them, all I can do is support them, but really, there's not a lot that they can do other than keep in contact with people via via technology if they can, you know, practice self care if they can, and you know try to find good TV programming, I guess, but there's it's limited
0: it's limited yeah hobbies for the win, you know, getting into hobbies right now there's actually more time to do that sort of thing. For sure. Uh, I've heard a lot of good feedback from that with some of my clients. They're really diving into some of that. Yes. Um, One other thing I wanted to talk to you about was when somebody in the family has a job that is putting them at higher risk, um, what are you seeing and what can you offer in that situation? Because I know a lot of people in this situation.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who's a nurse Uh, She works night shifts at a major downtown Toronto hospital. And I remember at the beginning, uh, and I think she still does this, when she comes home from work, she gets changed in her garage. Well, she actually takes all her clothes off. Luckily, she has a garage that leads right into her house. So she strips herself naked, leaves the clothes in a plastic bag that then go into the washing machine, uh, goes up and takes a shower, scrubs herself, um, and then interacts with her family. I think initially she may have been wearing a mask around her family. She's not doing that anymore. But she is, you know, especially if you're a frontline worker, um, the the solace that families take or the comfort that they that they have is in knowing that their family member is at least very well protected, you know, especially from getting it themselves. So, you know, touch word, whatever you want to touch or say, she's not been ex- she's been exposed to it many times in her job, but she's not gotten any th- any of the symptoms. Um, she also I think works hard at keeping her immunity up like she takes, I've heard that certain vitamins like vitamin D and zinc, I believe, I mean, I'm not an expert in that area, but there are certain vitamins that I think she or garlic I think she has a lot of <laughs> uh, to to you know to keep to keep her immunity healthy. Um, and I think that's the best you can do. I have heard, that there have been some people who have, uh, you know, uh, moved into separate bedrooms that isolate from their families. But again, I think even if they were doing that at the very beginning, I don't think that they could continue. Other clients of mine, who one one client in particular who was uh, working in a long term home, did get COVID. Um, was was sick for a couple of weeks, but then had residual symptoms for a while longer and is now on uh, long term care i mean not long term care on um, long term disability mm. uh, or some kind of uh, insurance so that she doesn't have to return to work right now so a lot of people who have been in those kind of positions have actually left their jobs which is unfortunate because we need people in those well, jobs
0: this is it like my husband is on the front line and i when it first happened it was so scary and yeah. i just felt like i can't it's going to be tricky. Like at the beginning, it was so scary where yeah. he was in short supply and we didn't know as much about the virus. And, and yes. I just remember thinking, Oh my God, I can't even keep my house safe. I can't keep my family safe. Yes. You know, and yeah. we did yeah. some of those things too that your friend did. And now we know more. Yes. I, we're, we yeah. know a lot more. Um, but. Well, we've, we, we've built a tolerance to the information too. Yes. and where yes. we've become, we've become
1: somewhat immune to it too. So the things that freaked us out at the very beginning are not freaking us out now. Yes. And, and people, people, and people, and people, well, most for most people, not everybody, a lot of people are still, you know, very concerned. And some people I know have really not gone out of their houses, maybe only recently to start shopping. But before that, like they've, Pretty much barricaded themselves inside their house and had groceries delivered to them for many, many months. And uh, I think that that's very difficult. I think that would weigh heavy on people. So if you have a partner or child that's working outside the house, and especially, I mean, there's lots of teachers, it's not just oh, the frontline yeah. workers, it's teachers who I have lots of clients who are teachers who are, you know, really struggling all day with their PPE equipment. And then they come home and they've, their children have been at school. They've been at school. So everybody's been out exposed. And again, it's all calculated risk. You can't just leave your job. You know, you may not be entitled to being able to take time off or there's lots of loopholes that you have to go through to
0: it's do that. So true. I remember even asking my husband, I said, do you really have to go? Do you really have to work there? Like it actually popped into my head. I remember my husband looked at me and was like, what? <laughs>
1: Of course, I mean, I think that panicky feeling is, you know, do you really have to go? I don't want you to go, you know, like, and some spouses or partners may get actually angry, you know, what? Do you, why do you think if you go, then you're putting all of us at risk? And but as I said, it's it's a big, for a lot of people, it's a financial consideration too. They can't afford to not work.
0: Of course, and so. You know, here we are, winter's coming, and um, it's, it gets cold, and, and our ability to go outside, which was just so amazing, mm-hmm. is getting a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, and I remember at the beginning, I started to think about it in August, that, uh-oh, if we can't sit on the front patio, what are we going to do? And I was a little ahead of the game with my family, and I introduced the idea of a heater. And making the patio nicer, like a little cozier, a little easier to entertain. And I got some funny looks about it. And I'm like, we're going to be so stuck. Like, what are the kids going to do if they can't hang with their friends? What are we going to do if we can't just have a chit chat with a girlfriend or something like that? And so I'm so glad I did that. We have a heater that's on order that has been months and it's not here yet. But what I have done, which has been amazing, is electric blankets. So I, I saw, have a, I saw that
1: I saw that on your social media. Oh yeah, I want yeah. to tell
0: everybody about it. So I got we have a really we have really great extension cords cuz we used to camp. So okay. we have like really big ones. So I run an extension cord from the garage with a big power bar and I bought a lot of electric blankets, one for everybody in the house and some extras as gifts. And I just give them out. So if somebody comes over, we just plug in the blankets and it makes it so much more tolerable. And yes. and I don't even know how this is possible, but you can unplug them and then wash them. Like yes, I
1: yes, I've I've seen that. So you just I guess you're just taking out the thermostat part, and then that comes out so that you can wash them, which makes sense.
0: It seems magical <laughs> that you can wash something yeah. like
1: that. <laughs> no, no, I I th- I think it's great. I mean, I always worried about the safety of uh, like if there's been some water on the ground or. You know, some snow or something. I guess that's the only thing you'd need to be concerned about. I would imagine.
0: Yes, um, and you can you can use those outdoor electric um, uh, extension cords. Like they have some heavier duty ones, and right. you can also elevate it. It doesn't need sure. to be on the ground, right? For sure. So, yes. Yes. So I've done that a few times, and I've been so thankful because one of my favorite things in the when the weather's good is to sit outside and chat with friends.
1: Yeah, I think and, that's. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely that's changed, and it depends on what part of the city you're living in. I mean, I know in York region, uh, we still have uh, restaurants open, you know, for a very limited number of people. And some people are still going and meeting friends there.
0: Oh, Uh, no, we're we're locked down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know most most of most of the areas around us are in lockdown. Um, And so, yes, absolutely. The socializing with with friends, I find I do a lot of a lot more socializing with friends on Zoom. Yes, Um, You know, Kind of uh, pivoted from telephone calls to Zoom calls, so that at least we have the, we can see each other, um, which has been nice. But I think we can still get out and go for walks. But as you said, just sitting outside for extended periods, of course, would be a lot more less comfortable unless you have something like a heated blanket.
0: It's so funny when we walk, we have this beautiful big dog, Newfoundland. He's so cute, and when we walk him. We seem to always catch these neighbors out. And when they see us coming, they love the dog. And it's like so exciting to see a neighbor and to have a little chat. They come running over and they pet the dog. It's It's like like exciting to people, people. There's people on my lawn. I know. Real live people.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, it's I think I hope that we'll we'll continue some of that enthusiasm for simple pleasures. Um, please God, when we go back into more of a normal state of living. Because I think as people, we do tend to forget very quickly, and we will go back to our old way of living very quickly and take a lot of what we used to take for granted. Still, t- We'll still take it for granted. And so I think people need to be mindful about that and think about how w- the wonderful things that we've experienced now, how to do more of that
0: later on. Exactly. I really agree. So, you know, thinking about the poor little stressed family units, what what can you offer? Just some tips when there is stress about the amount of media we need to consume, the amount of new information we need to consume. You know, we're gonna uh, just learning about vaccine possibility and everything now. The whole flu shot thing—that was a lot to learn about. (laughs) Right? There's just so much to learn and know, and we're in this stressed situation. So, what can you offer the poor little family unit?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting you talk about the flu vaccine because that was something that came up in our family as well. Uh, And then again with the vaccine, with even with the COVID vaccine, some family members are saying. I, w- I don't want to be the first to take it. I don't want to be a guinea pig. I don't want to take it at all. Let other people take it. I'll just, you know, it'll be herd immunity, that kind of thing. So, especially when we have kids that are older, we can remember that we don't have to do all the research on our own. We have lots of other able people. And again, part of the family meeting might be like, let's all look into this and come and discuss it together. Um, so, that might be one option is to get everybody on board. And even doesn't have to be older kids, it could even be teenagers who do that or even. Kids who are ten or eleven years old could get involved with research. Um, I mentioned about you know making sure that you're not catastrophizing things in front of kids. You mentioned, and I agree with you about the amount of uh, information you expose yourself to. So people will often tell me, "Oh, the numbers are like eighteen hundred people with COVID today, or two thousand people," and I say, "Oh, okay," because typically I actually don't. I don't. I don't monitor the numbers of. Of cases all day. I'm not sure. I think what they the reason they share that is to try to frighten the public into being more careful, so that our hospitals are not so overcrowded as they are. Um, but you know, for somebody who already knows that it's a difficult situation, for somebody who's already taking precautions and is careful and mindful, I don't need to know the numbers every day. It's 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 Groundhog Day every day type of thing. So, to not expose yourself, the same goes with news. I mean, I think it's there's a little bit less news about it now. at the beginning, it was as you know, all over the place you couldn't you couldn't listen to the radio or watch TV without something terrible being spoken about. Now we have other pieces of news filtering in and out, but again, not to sit and watch news all you know many hours of a day, uh, same with uh, social media um and of course. Really important to like you mentioned that when you get up in the morning you may put on a nice piece of jewelry, put on makeup, that kind of thing. And again, I want to stress that that self care is so important, both physical and mental self care. Um, A lot of people have uh, purchased exercise equipment for their Mm -hmm. homes, Um, and I think you know if you can exercise three times a week for half an hour at a time, that's great. Um, You know, watching what you eat, taking maybe more vitamins or supplements to keep your immunity stronger. And, you know, a lot of people are rolling out of bed, putting on their computer, not showering, not washing their hair, not brushing their teeth. They just like go on the computer for the day and it rolls into the next day. Some people are not even changing when they get up in the morning. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) If they're not going anywhere for the day, they just stay in their pajamas all day. So I, I think that it's okay. And it's actually a good idea to have PJ Day's (laughs) once in a while, but I do think that taking care of yourself, one person actually said to me that uh, she talked about, you know, how sometimes we have that transition time when we used to maybe work outside of the house, the transition time that we took driving to or commuting to or from work. And she was saying that she tries to build that commute time into her day, even if she's not leaving the house. So, she might take that length of time to just have a coffee, read the newspaper, or watch a bit of TV, or take a bath or a shower or whatever, just as a way of kind of going from sleeping to getting involved in the day's activities. That's so self-care is really important.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, I I was thinking it it it's hard to get your head around sometimes you forget that, oh my god, it's a pandemic. We really are gonna be home for another who knows how many months. Um, I had this pair of slippers that I probably had for ten years. And yeah. I love them. I, lo- I need a slipper with like a, a shoe base, like not yeah, a sock. Me too. I, I, it can't be flat. It's like a yes. shoe that I wear only inside. It's furry. Yes. And I thought, gee, I'm going to be home all the time. I think I'm going to replace those slippers. Like it made sense. Yeah. they don't replace. have to last forever. Right. And it made <laughs> sense. Okay. So I'm going to be home a lot. What else can I do that makes sense because I'm home? Right. And um, I like that. And that changes things just a little bit. Yeah. Well, again, it's a simple pleasure. Yes. You know,
1: we, we tend to, we hold on to pieces of clothing or pieces, things that we wear partly out of sentimentality and partly just because they're comfortable and you're not sure you're going to be able to find the exact replacement or you like the color or whatever it is. But then, as you say, we're not, we, you know, other than maybe wearing a, a shirt during Zoom calls or things for work or, you know, whatever. We're not having to buy many pairs of pants. Um, you know, if anything, maybe we, we're focusing on outer garments like coats and boots. Um, but then, as you said, like something as simple as a pair of slippers that gives you pleasure, that's warm and comfy, that you can wear during the day, all day, you deserve to replace your slippers after 10 years, right? That but,
0: made sense, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was it, like, it's oh, totally wow, I never
1: thought about that before, right? And, and I think, you know, as you know, because you you help people with this, I know. Uh, it's about putting yourself first sometimes.
0: A hundred percent. Oh my god! You know what's so funny? The one person, person, the one person who is the most confused about our new social situation is your dog. Is, is the dog? I, know. I, I knew when it. you exactly.
1: I knew you were going to say that when you kind of thought, "Is is he a person or not?" <laughs> <God> <laughs>
0: is and, he is so happy with all the people everywhere all the time. It's party time, but it's messed up his, his routine. He doesn't sleep when he used to sleep. There are too many. All his favorite people are here all the time. It's true because we have two cats
1: and they too are just so thrilled to have us around all day um, that if we go out to go shopping or something, if even we're, if we're gone for a few hours, they come to the door and watch us leave. You know, it's like they're, they're, they're very dog-like actually in that way. And they stand there with their soulful eyes and you go, oh, my goodness, I feel so guilty to leave you for a couple of hours. <laughs> right? So, but, but a lot of people, as you know, have been buying animals. It's hard to even find an animal now, or it used to be. Maybe it's getting easier now. I but hope people... the animals win.
0: That's great. Yeah. So, Sarah, thank you so much for talking about this because, you know, it's, it can't be, it's not always comfortable to talk about what's really going on. Right. because on Facebook, everything looks so perfect. And exactly. I've heard from like you, like so many people in my community that it's a little bumpy, like there's definitely things to be grateful about. And there's definitely some COVID gifts. But it it's different. And there's a lot of emotional wallop to what's going on. And it's serious. Yes. So thank you so much for just putting some perspective on it. it's really been helpful. Now, I understand you have a couple of books that might be really. Um, useful. You want to tell us about some of your books? Well, I have five books actually. Uh,
1: the, the the three of them are parent. Well, two of them are parenting related about how to influence your kids for good. Another one called "Am I a Normal Parent?" Those were written way back, like twelve years, twelve years and ten years ago. Um, and um, and then more recently, I wrote two books for couples. One is a wife talking to her husband and saying, or a woman talking to her partner and saying, how can I be your lover when I'm too busy being your mother, which is a title I think a lot of people relate to. And uh, the most most recent uh, couples-related book is called Why Married Couples Don't Have Sex, At Least Not With Each Other. So it talks about monogamy, whether we're meant to be monogamous, how affairs happen, You know, talking about infidelity, so a whole mixture of that. Um, I wrote a book called uh, Don't Leave, Please Go which was written for parents of first year university students who were heading away to university or college and um I wrote it during my daughter's first year away she didn't know I was writing it until the end of the year and by that time she'd given me all the material that I needed to write the book and of course she she sanctioned it and she actually wrote the last chapter and then she and I actually last summer did uh, we went and did presentations in front of of uh, high school parents whose children were going on to university and they loved it because it was my perspective as a parent and as a psychologist, and it was her her perspective as a first year university student. And they she was giving them lots of information that they may not have gotten from their teens. And I think they actually, you know, stayed behind afterwards to talk to her more than they wanted to talk to me. Oh so, my
0: gosh, that's great! Yeah. That's so useful. So I'll put your links on the show notes for sure. It's www.helpmesara.com, and the uh, I just that reminded me quickly of. Uh, I interviewed my one of my sons in the podcast. I think he was in third year at the time. Yeah, and I called it "Empty Nest from the Inside Out." Oh, I love and that. It was a. T- it, I'll send you the link, and I'll yeah. also include it in the show notes. It was really an interview about, from his perspective, of what becoming independent was like for him. Because I as parents, that. empty nesters, we often just think about what we're losing. We don't think so much about what the child is gaining. I love that. And Oh, he was, he, it was really fun. And we got really good response from that. So I'll definitely yeah. share that too. Isn't it, isn't
1: it wonderful when our kids become like people that we can actually, we can look to them for wisdom and insight.
0: Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's really great. And good recipes too. They seem to, they yes. have creative ideas, which is a lot of fun. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for coming in. It was really, really coming in. <laughs> Thanks so much for popping <laughs> in on too. <laughs>
1: I know what you mean. I didn't even hear it until you, until you, you, you kind of step back
0: from it. That's so funny. No, thanks so much for joining us on, on the podcast. It was really fun to talk to a psychologist about what's going on in homes around the world. Really, really good. Thank thanks for so having much. me on.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. I have a feeling that what Sarah was talking about resonated with you just a little bit. <laughs> COVID related family stress is real. It's no joke. And she gave lots of great tips for sure. I love the idea of the family meeting. I remember learning about that when the kids were much younger, but it never occurred to me that it would be a great idea now with so many adults living together in so many homes. Makes perfect sense. One thing I wanted to add was to encourage you to think a bit about how you want to experience the pandemic in terms of your relationships. I know there's a lot going on with the pandemic that you can't control. But I think it's a great idea to to be a bit intentional about relationships now for the same reasons that it's a good idea to be intentional about relationships in general. So ask yourself, when we're all through all of this, right, when we're past it, (laughs) what do you want to think about your relationships with significant people in your life? And how can you make sure to do some regret-proofing now? Now, I know that this will look different for everyone, but what does it look like for you? The passage of time is just so weird now. And before you know it, like a year goes by, (laughs) it's so slow and it's so fast at the same time. That's a lot of time not to be intentional. So where it's possible, see what you think about what you wanna think, feel, and do when it comes to your relationships in your life and in your family, right? And I don't know, why wouldn't you wanna do this? It's something that's actually in your control. All right, that is it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being more compassionate towards yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. So remember, being the queen of your brain domain really is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. And you know what? You're not going to believe what's possible in your life and the transformation that I think you're ready to make. I know you might not think you really, really, really need help like this and that if you just listen to the perfect podcast episode or read the, the popular best-selling book, you'll have all the answers you need. And, and for sure, that's great, but it may not be enough. When it comes to applying concepts, that's when you really, really benefit from coaching. So you know, we could work together. One way is private coaching and I can help you grow faster. You'll see the connections and the insights way more clearly. And we laugh a lot too because you'll learn to be more curious and more compassionate with yourself. And that's fun. It's so good and such a beautiful gift. So head over to www.talktosuzie.com and you can apply there. For show notes and links, just go to www.coachwithsuzie.com And that's where you'll find everything. So let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.